right, all those kindergarten through fifth grade, if you guys make your way up here, and the teachers will take you down to your class. Those who are three, four, and five-year-olds, you can make your way to the back, and your teachers will take you to your class. All right. How many of you appreciate the falling back thing, the extra hour? Did you, did you take advantage of that, get an extra hour of sleep? Anybody? Or are you just, oh, yeah. Who needs more? Okay. <laughs> you need more. All right. Bye, guys. All right. All right, as they're going down, I just, uh, I, let, me, let me kind of give you a, an idea of where we're going here in the last couple of months. Uh, we're, we're just in November, and, and then we have December, and in the way of preaching, uh, here throughout the rest of November, we're going to continue in walking through the book of Acts. We're not going to be able to complete it, uh, but we are going to take a break in December, uh, definitely going to be focusing our attention upon the coming of Jesus. And uh, in our morning messages, our focus is going to be upon that Advent. And, and so we're looking forward to that. And, and actually, maybe stepping away for Acts is, is maybe, maybe we need a breather. <laughs> so I, I, I do hope that you're enjoying this. Uh, some of the messages, uh, and, and, and maybe I was trying to think, what, what are we gaining from this? We are the church, right? We exist as his church, one that, that he uh, laid out and, and has given to us, and we're a part of that. And, and to be able to see it in its beginnings is something that is an encouragement and a strength, and also to give us clarity of this question, what are we doing here? Why are we here? You know, and, and so I, I do believe we've had opportunity to look at those, those answers. As we see the beginning to the church, we have definitely seen, because in the beginning of the church, it was the spread of the gospel message. We talk about taking root. As we move through the book of Acts, we see those roots going deeper and farther, and the roots we could absolutely identify as that gospel message, right? The gospel message is this. It is the death and resurrection of Jesus. It, it is the, the coming of the Savior and his death and resurrection. And uh, I, I, I like what, how Paul put it when he spoke to Antioch here just recently. We, we saw him go, going in that first missionary journey. And, and he went to that church in Antioch. In verse 38 he says, of chapter 13, he says, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Freedom from sin and forgiveness. The gospel message we have is good, isn't it? It is absolutely good. As we move on to chapter 15, if you want to open your Bibles, that's where we are is in chapter 15. Uh, what we've seen so far throughout this book of Acts is persecution and, and a going after those messengers, those who are delivering the message, right? We've seen them uh, brought before trial. We've seen them beaten and put in prison. We've seen uh, 
uh, one stoned to death, one stoned and left for dead. That was Paul, right? Uh, Paul was stoned and left for dead. We, we saw that last week. So lots of abuses upon the messenger. In chapter 15, we're going to see that the message itself is attacked. That that gospel message of freedom in Christ is, is attacked. And, and the ones who are bringing the attack are actually believers in Jesus. Isn't that interesting? The, the, the attack is coming from within those who believe. All right? So let's, let's look at this passage. I'm not going to read every verse in chapter 15. We're going to open up in the midst of this and take. So if you want to leave your, your Bible open, we will have certain passages up here. I do want to start with that first verse. Uh, when I say there was a, an attack upon the gospel, let me lay it out with this first verse. It, it actually begins with this. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised, you cannot be saved. I just said freedom and forgiveness, and it's through Jesus. That, that message they are delivering is against that, that gospel. We're saying it, it comes through Jesus, freedom, and it, it comes through. Uh, we, we receive forgiveness, and, and because what they do is they're adding on, uh, hey, believe in Jesus and be circumcised and, and, and follow the, the laws of Moses. Well, that's adding to that gospel, and that's not the gospel. Our gospel is believing, placing our faith upon Jesus and what he did for us upon the cross. Can't forget that. Here's what happens in the next few verses. Uh, immediately, there, there, there's a response there from Paul and, and Barnabas. And, and, and they have an argument. They have a, a debate. And, and here's, here's something that we're going to look into. But basically, this is really threatening to the church in Antioch. We know the church in Antioch. That's where these men went. And they came to the church in Antioch, and on one side, or, or they could even be mixed together, a, a part of this congregation are Jews. They were born Jews, they lived Jews, they were living that, that law of Moses, uh, the guys were circumcised, so they were following a, after that law. But then they came to know Jesus, and they found forgiveness through Jesus. And so they're part of the church. And then there's Gentiles, also part of that. And, and they're believing in Jesus, and they received him, and that was the message. Hey, our message is Jesus died for you. Believe in him. Place your trust in him. Follow after him. And so there, there is no other message for them. And so they began to follow after Christ. And so there's, this, is, this is a strong congregation. This, this is the congregation where Paul and Barnabas had their start, you know, for that first missionary uh, journey. Uh, and, and so it is a strong congregation of both Jews and Gentiles together. Obviously, these guys in Judea were not thinking this is a good thing, that they needed to hear a little bit more. Hey, you guys need to be circumcised. So because of the, the potential of tearing this Antioch church apart, the leadership there in Antioch said, we're going to send Paul and Barnabas and, and a couple other leaders, choice leaders, and we're going to send them to Jerusalem. And, and there in Jerusalem where the church is, that church of Jerusalem, which is the hub of where it all began, uh, we're going to have them settle this issue. And so uh, they go. And, and matter of fact, verse 
verse, verse 5 of that chapter 15. Uh, here, here they are. Uh, Paul and Barnabas are meeting with, with the apostles and with the leaders of the church. And they're excited to see him because, hey, they have so much to report about South Galatia and, and, and the ministry through Cyprus. A lot of great things were happening. The spread of the gospel. And, and while they're talking to them, some uh, listen to this. Uh, verse 5, I, I especially want us to see who this is coming from. Verse 5 says, But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said. First of all, from the party of Pharisees. Did, we, I don't think we had anyone but Paul up to this point who is a Pharisee that received Christ. But there's other Pharisees who, who are receiving, accepting this wonderful message of Jesus and salvation. But it's amongst these Pharisees, they're saying, ah, there's got to be so much more. And especially when you're looking at more and more Gentiles are coming to know it, hey, they need to be circumcised. And, and they need to follow the law of Moses. And I should have just read that. But here, here's what they said. It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. There it is. That is a, that, that is a false message that is being brought to the church in Antioch. A church that has received the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Here, here's what I think. Do we... Do we have troubles like that today? People want to add to, I say, here's our gospel message. It is about Jesus and forgiveness through Jesus. And let's add to it. We have lots of trouble. Matter of fact, some of us are uncomfortable. I say, well, I haven't done enough. Well, you don't have to do anything to receive salvation. There's no work that you have to do to fulfill but what you have to do, the one thing you have to do, is to accept what Jesus did on your behalf. Isn't that right? Accept what Jesus did on the cross, that he took your penalty, your shame, your sinfulness to the cross with him. And he paid your price. Woo-hoo, right? It is, that is a woo-hoo. That's, that's great news. And I, I will tell you, that I believe that it is the responsibility of the church to keep that gospel message, pure. Protect the gospel message. Protect it. Keep it safe. And so uh, that is going to be a responsibility of this congregation, the leaders here, and myself. We need to keep it undiluted, uh, unhindered, uh, unadulterated. It needs to be what we read within the scriptures and carry about with us. There are some steps that are taken. We're going we're gonna to read... As, as we get into this, uh, some of the verses that are, that are down that I want us to see. But there are some steps that are taken that, that I want us to see and understand because I think, they're, to me, they're fascinating. They're fascinating. Let's begin here. Number one, uh, first of all, it's important that we address whatever distorts the gospel that it's addressed, that it's not ignored, right? Sometimes I, uh, I don't like confrontation. I don't like confrontation. Therefore, you know, he's going to go away or she's going to go away and, and, and that message will go away. But, but what happens, what happens in this whole story is, is it's actually identified immediately. There in Antioch and in verse 2, it says that Paul and Barnabas, they came into a great amount of dissension and debate. Actually, 
in, in the version that I'm reading, he said, no small dissension, which means, boy, this, this really happened. This was big. I could see Paul getting red-faced over this issue. Can't you imagine that? It doesn't say that in Scripture. I'm just saying, using my imagination that this was serious, and, and Paul was on it. And he, he had this uh, dispute with him and a debate. And, and later on in, in verse 7, at, and this is after they were in Jerusalem. When they got to Jerusalem, in verse 6 it says that the apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider the matter. The first phrase it says in, in verse 7, as they came together to dispute the issue, it says, and after there had been much debate... Debate, debate, I, I don't know. I've been part of groups that I know immediately what we ought to do is shut them up. Are you with me? Shut them up. Right, let's do some rebuking. Let's do some uh, church discipline. Let's do some disciplining. They're speaking contrary to the gospel we're teaching. And that would seem like the proper action, right? But that's not what they do. They get to that, that place, and amongst them, there are these, these Christians who are part of the Pharisees, and they're believing this. Instead, what do they do? They debate. I know what debating is. You know, man, if, if there's some teenagers here or, or those of you who are part of debate teams, we did not think highly of debate people when I was in high school. You weren't cool. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but... There, there was a debate. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Now, matter of fact, I did some judging in my first youth ministry in Topeka. Uh, I, I did some judging over debate and, and fascinated by it. Man, if you're part of the debate team, man, I'm, I, I, I uh, am proud of you. Or, or I am amazed and, and, and in wonder of those who have to... Be, and, and here's the reason why. Is you are given a, a thought and you have to defend it and build support for the statement, right? And that's what they do. They, they're giving them opportunity to speak. Hey, we want to hear you. Tell us what you're seeing here. Let us know. Tell us everything. You know, that's part of it. I don't think it was that way. I think it was back and forth. But there was, there was debate where there was a, a respectful part of this where they were listening to what they had to say. Well, we think that, that we ought to circumcise that these people ought to be circumcised. We think that they ought to be embracing the Old Testament and following after it now that they've received Jesus. And, and so they were able... What's so fascinating about that? Because I, I believe that has everything to do with grace and mercy. I think that has everything to do with patience in that grace and mercy, right? Part of that is because these guys are wrong in what they're saying. They're distorting the gospel, but... There is this opportunity to correct the message within them, to correct this wrong idea within them. So it's not rebuke. It's not, it's not shut them up and toss them out. It is respectfully give them an opportunity to speak to what they're saying. Hey, they're pulling out the Old Testament, right? They're looking to the law of Moses and where it's written. Hey, God said it is written. That's pretty good uh, uh, part of the debate, right? And that, that would seem like some real meat. So, so this, this idea of being able to be heard is important. It is important. And, and on the other side of that, it really is a benefit for the church to hear 
maybe where, where ideas are coming from. Ideas that are adding to, you know, where did you get that? Uh, show and support that. Tell me uh, where, where you have your understanding about God's grace. And, and share with us. Understand where they come from. And then to be able to share and, and, and listen to them and then be able to def- defend that gospel. You know how that strengthens us? You know how that strengthens a leader when he has to face someone who is misusing, mishandling the scriptures? It really is a strength to the one who is, is having to dig and look and search. I've been in those debates. I've talked. And, and in the midst of it, I'm seeing things that I never did uh, understand about the scriptures before. And I become excited and even strengthened in the scriptures I've had. I, and, and I would even say even younger, there's been things, some things people have corrected me in. I praise God for the grace and the patience they used on me for when I had wrong ideas concerning the scriptures. So here, here's, the, here, here's towards the end of this whole message. There's a, when, when they complete this whole process, they're, they're able to send a letter back letting them know the end result. And guess what it does for this church in Antioch that is the potential of tearing them apart. They're excited. Like in verses uh, uh, 32 and, and 33, they, they, they express, man, they're, they're rejoicing over it, and the church is then strengthened. Well, thank goodness for the leadership in Antioch to, knew, to know what to do. Uh, they received a positive answer uh, to the question that was laid out before them. Um, the next step. So, so far, just a just review, we've, we've seen that, that it has to be addressed it needs to be discussed or, as we say, debated, and, and then it needs to be decided. And it's decided according to God's leading. Here, here's where I want to pick up verses 7. I'm going to start reading verse 7 through 17. In that, you know, ultimately in this debate, what, what do we want to come to? Wouldn't it be we want to know God's will in this issue? What, wouldn't that be uh, what we want? If, if an issue was brought here... Isn't that what we want to have presented before us? How is God laying this out? Or what is God's intent? What is God's purpose? Help us to find that. And I think in this process, they were searching and identifying where God is working. Okay, so keep that in mind as we go through 7 through 17. Uh, The beginning part of 7 says, they had been in much debate, but after that debate... Verse 7 says, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. What is, what is Peter sharing? Peter's sharing his experience. We go back to Acts, Acts chapter 10, where, where Peter uh, has the opportunity through God's direction to go into the house of a Gentile. This is back when there was no connecting of Gentiles and Jews. Jesus has been preached, but now Peter is being directed, go preach the gospel to these Gentiles and, so that they believe. 
And, and Peter went into the home. And along with that, God gave his approval or gave his witness to the Gentiles as they received the Holy Spirit in the same way that the Jews did in the upper room in, in Acts chapter 2, that day of Pentecost, where they spoke in tongues. Well, the Gentiles are speaking in tongues, the, and the Jews on the day of Pentecost spoke in tongues. What does that mean? God's acceptance of the Gentiles. Uh, man, they are welcome to participate in this new gospel message. Aren't you glad, you bunch of Gentiles? Right? You're with me on this, aren't you? Because that message is for all of us. The door is wide open. It is what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And it's through believing in him we could have forgiveness and freedom from our sinfulness. Woo! That's good stuff. Peter goes on in verse 10, and he says, Now therefore, this is a message to those who are presenting this, this uh, uh, idea of circumcision following after the law. In verse 10 he says, Now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. Hear what Peter is saying here? He, he's clearly identifying, we haven't been able to follow this. We haven't been able, and just as Jesus had made it very clear, that, that even though the law is good, it is identified that we are sinners. It has is, is brought about condemnation in our lives, and, and we couldn't keep it, and now we're going to hold them to it? No, that's not what it is. Matter of fact, at the last part, he says, the same grace and mercy that they're receiving, uh, that, that, that we as Jews are receiving, that forgiveness through Jesus, is the same grace that, that those Gentiles are receiving today. You know, we're not to lay a burden upon them. Now, uh, Paul and Barnabas also step up. And share their testimony. Where have they been? You know, they were in that first missionary journey. Last week, we went through southern Galatia, Antioch, and Iconium, and Lystra, and Derby, and, and they were presenting the gospel message before Jews and Gentiles. And Gentiles were coming to, to receive this gospel message. And so I don't know, uh, Luke obviously is making this rather short. You know, isn't that nice that someone could come up? Wouldn't you just like to write, read an uh, abbreviated part of my message? And, and you wouldn't get all the details and, and, and stumbling and things like that. You just get, here, get to the point kind of thing. So Luke gets to write the to the point that, that, that uh, Paul and Barnabas are making here. He says, uh, they actually shared this. And all the assembly, oh, I, I like this part. After, after Peter did his sharing, all the assembly fell silent. See, in, amidst that debating, maybe it's a little bit of debating and questioning kept on going on. But after he shared, it fell silent. And then Paul and Barnabas spoke. And, and as they shared, they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. Why, why did they go there? Again, just as the Holy Spirit coming upon the Gentiles was proof that even in Paul and, and Barnabas, as they were sharing the gospel, God gave to them the ability to, to continue in, in the signs and wonders in order for them to realize that, that God is a part of this message. He, he gave them a witness to this gospel message. 
when they saw those things, you know, this couldn't be for men. Uh, one of those signs could have been much like the healing of the lame man that came in, in Lystra. Uh, or, or something like that. But amongst that, there were some, some signs of some miracles being f- performed that absolutely put the verification saying, this is from God. And many came to believe. Now, when they heard this, Simon, or no, not Simon, uh, I'm sorry, James spoke up. It's verse 13 where James, who obviously is, is like the leader of the Jerusalem church. He's, he's thought to have been the leader of the Jerusalem. This isn't James, the brother of John. We know he was executed. We're thinking this is James, the brother of Jesus, who is now leading the church in Jerusalem. He gets up and speaks after Paul and Barnabas. And what does he say? After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Verse 14. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. Gentiles being received, okay? And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it was written. He he then goes into Amos. I'm going to read that. But Listen to what he said. And, and this, is, this is where the prophets agree with what's going on. The testimony you hear from Peter and from Barnabas and Paul, the testimony you hear about how the Gentiles are receiving, this is what, what the prophet Amos agreed with. That's Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. Here's what he says, 16 and 17 up there. After this I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it. That the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Well, what's he saying? Well, we we do know that through all the prophets, I mean, there's bad things happening because of the unfaithfulness and the waywardness of Israel, right? And they went into captivity, and Jerusalem went down, and Israel Israel first went down, and then Jerusalem went down, destroyed, and and uh, uh, because of their unfaithfulness. But along that, each of the prophets would come along and say, "God has a plan, God has a purpose, and He's going to do some rebuilding." And part of that rebuilding is there in verse 17. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things, will, will be known from old. Excuse me, will be known from old. They're, they're, the Gentiles are going to be part of this. The Gentiles are going to be part of this rebuilding. So that's the emphasis that James is placing on. So what we see here is, is the experiences of the apostles. That's important. These men who were called by Jesus. Uh, the experiences of the apostles has been uh, drawing these Gentiles. And it's simply through that gospel message they were given. And, and, and it, it is all to serve the purpose that the Gentiles are now included. And so th- this prophet, or, or th- now it's through the, the uh, scriptures that they're able to, to see what God is doing in their day and age at that time. We have a different look, don't we? I mean, all this is written, even, even this debate and everything is laid out in 15. And, and so what we have, uh, the, the message has already been settled. Well, what do we need to do to be saved? Well, well, see, believe in Jesus and be circumcised. No, no. 15 makes it very clear. And, and besides 15, let's go into Paul's letters. 
Go into his letter to the Galatians where he has to emphasize again, it's not according to your deeds. What other gospel are you guys embracing, he says? You know, except for the gospel that you were given of salvation through Jesus Christ. The book of Galatians. If you have time, you know, read it this week. But Paul addresses those same issues to the very people that, that, uh, uh, that he ministered to in that Galatian area. Anyway, let's get back to this. God's, so, so it was in the experiences of the apostles in the scripture that we've been able to identify that this is what God is doing. This is his word. This is the direction we're going in. This is the direction we're going in. The final step, then, is to declare the pure message. Declare the pure message. Verse 19. James was obviously very important because, remember, silence fell over everybody, which kind of, you, you begin to think that, that those who have been trying to Judaize or tell everybody, hey, listen, embrace it, might be listening carefully to the message that's, and maybe thinking at least we could come to that conclusion. James at the end in verse 19 says, Therefore my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. What's he saying? Hey, listen. Being circumcised is trouble. Okay? Being cir- that sounds funny, but, but adhering to the laws of Moses for the Gentiles is trouble. If, if we had to, okay, we're believing in Jesus, let's go and learn all those things, uh, the, the festivals, the cleansing, the, the dietary things that we need to follow according to the law in order for us to be right with. All of a sudden, that, that thing of God's done it all for us is taken away. And all of a sudden, man, it's going to have to be through our obedience that we're going to be saved. And that's not the message, is it? That's not the message. The message is absolutely according to his grace because he sent Jesus to die for us. That's, that's the bottom line. Is it possible the church gets confused by saying, well, I, I received Jesus. What do I need to do to be saved? Why would you even ask that? Uh, we might think, well, this attending church thing is my salvation. Some of you are doing really well. <laughs> I love seeing you on Sunday. Maybe you've done it all your life, but I will absolutely tell you, church does not save you. Attending church on Sunday morning does not save you. You could you be there every Sunday morning and still uh, not be saved. Absolutely. Our message is this. It is Jesus who saves us. Amen. And then you ask the question, why are we here? Oh, man, we're here to celebrate Jesus. <laughs> we're here to celebrate him. Uh, why do you live for him? Because I want to celebrate Jesus. I want to love him. Matter of fact, if anything leads us to any direction, it's really to fulfill the two greatest commandments in the Old Testament. When we have the message that Jesus came and died for us uh, in order for us to be forgiven and, and to be set free, then the end result is this. The end result is this. Uh, man, I love God. I want to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and, and I'm called to love my neighbor as myself. That's what we're called to. And, and when we're loving in that way, there is no law that's over us at all. Nothing over us. When we're loving God and, and following after Jesus in loving other people. In that message, I, I, 
I think it's important to point out that he had a little bit more. He, he wrote to that church in Antioch. Here it is. The statement has been made in this hub in, in Jerusalem. The statement is made, we're not going to trouble these Gentiles. We're not going to trouble the Gentiles with the rules and regulations laid out in the Old Testament. That's not salvation that we presented to them. It is faith in Jesus. But here's what the message he laid out. He said, uh, we're going to say, we're not going to trouble the Gentiles, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled uh, and, and from blood. For from ancient generations, Moses has in every day been uh, in this city those who proclaim him, for he is read in the Sabbath in the synagogue. It's continuing to be read in the Sabbath, on the Sabbath in the synagogue. But listen, what, so what's he saying? I said, okay, there's no rules. And he said, but follow these rules. Uh, please understand that's not what's going on here. It kind of looks that way. First of all, yeah, the sexual immorality we could all figure out because so many other places, even in Paul's letters, don't be involved in sexual immorality. We might go to Romans 6 and say, hey, Jesus didn't save you from your sins so that you could what? Go sin. You know, continue in sinfulness. That's, that's, that's just so wrong. <laughs> right? But, but in that, he talks about, oh, don't, don't uh, uh, you know, what, what has been strangled, don't eat, eat those things and, and, and the things from the blood. It's talking about idolatry. Who has all understood those laws? Well, that was the Jews. I want you to go back to that Antioch church where there's Jews and Gentiles together worshiping. And I think this is what's happening. This is, this is what's happening within that church. All of a sudden, these Gentiles who know freedom, even who've come out of their paganism, are now needing to be respectful and love those, that community of Jews who've been raised. And, and man, that idolatry is something severe. And, and they're going to continue to look that way. So the, the one thing is, hey, Gentiles, I want you to love these Jews. Be careful of the things that are going to offend these Jews. They're, that's what you're doing. You're not doing things that's going to be honoring God. The things that honoring of God is not to offend your brothers and sisters in Christ. And don't cause them to fall. Paul actually lays that down in a letter, letter uh, uh, to the Corinthians later on. And so we get a better idea of why these extra things. Hey, really, it's just we're going to advise you, do the things that's going to be honoring of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, love God with all your heart, soul, mind. That's what we're left with, loving God, loving, loving your brothers, loving your neighbor. Right? I love the freedom I have in Christ. I love the freedom. I love the fact that through Jesus we receive forgiveness. And we're right with him. Don't you? Matter of fact, we, we need to celebrate him. Let's, let's do that. Let's just go right into celebrating him this morning. This is a good way to lead into to the, the idea. Let's uh, just, just take that bread, if you would. The bread's there in the cup. And for those of us who've, who've received Jesus as Savior, this is an opportunity for us to celebrate what Jesus has done for us. Willingly, he went to the cross. Willingly, he died in our place. And with our faith and trust in what Jesus has done, we are his children, people of his kingdom. Let's celebrate Jesus by participating in this meal. The bread representing his body and this cup that is juice 
representing the blood of Christ, let's partake of it. Cleansing us from all our sinfulness. Forgiveness, it's sweet. Father, we praise you this morning. We uh, come this morning not out of uh, uh, the absolute necessity for our, our salvation, but Lord, we celebrate the absolute necessity for our salvation, and that's Jesus. We celebrate, Lord, his willingness to go to the cross for us, and Father, that our new identity is to be called your children and the people of your kingdom. God, help us and strengthen us in the week to come to be your people and to represent you well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.